You are listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazingcariboustudios. Code Monkey, get up, get coffee. Code Monkey, go to job. Code Monkey, have boring meeting with boring manager Rob. Rob say Code Monkey, very diligent, but his output stink. His code not functional or elegant. What do Code Monkey think? Code Monkey think maybe manager wanna write login page himself. Code Monkey not say it out loud. Code Monkey not crazy, just proud. Code Monkey like Speedos. Code Monkey like Tabbit Mountain Dew. Code Monkey very simple man with big warm fuzzy secret heart. Code Monkey like. Hello and welcome back to the Varmints Podcast, where every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet, one animal at a time. My name's Paul. I'm not an animal expert. I'm Donna, and I am also not an animal expert. I tried really hard to become an animal expert this week, but it didn't work. (laughs) Today we're going to talk about tiny monkeys. Yes, we had a weird rodents episode a while back where we had a bunch of rodents that by themselves couldn't make a full episode, so we just did a few of them, a little handful of weird rodents, and this week we're doing a little handful of tiny monkeys. And they are very tiny, and they're very cute. (laughs) (laughs) But first, the news. This is Varmin's Headline News with your anchorman, some guy named Paul. Thank you, Matthew. So the winners have been chosen for the 2017 Comedy Wildlife Photography Awards, selected from among... Yeah. Selected from among more than 3,500 entries from 86 countries, the awards were created by Tanzania-based UK photographers Paul Joynson Hicks and Tom Sullum in an effort to spread awareness about conservation efforts while adding a little note of comic relief to the art of wildlife photography. Their annual contest, Sullum explains, responds to the need for a photography competition that is lighthearted, upbeat, possibly unpretentious and mainly about wildlife doing funny things. He went on to say that conservation was always at the heart of the competition, along with the fact that people seem to enjoy images of animals doing entertaining things. So among this year's top entries were a grooving kangaroo, an exasperated owl enduring the incessant hooting of its chicks, and a hare standing at attention with a big grass mustache. And of course, we will have links to all these pictures in our show notes, at blazingcariboustudios.com and you can be sure that when you look at these pictures that they were not staged and no no harm was done to the animals. These are just really well done, funny little photographs of animals and you'll enjoy them. Yes. <laughs> I love the one of the sea turtle biffing the grouper. <laughs> Get out of my way. <laughs> it's terrific. There's plenty of room in the ocean, grouper. Excuse yeah. me. <laughs> Oh, so many good ones. The one with the owl, with the chick squawking, and the owl's just standing there the like, owl looks really? Like, yeah, the owl looks like she's had the, enough. 
<laughs> She's like, these kids, I'm telling you, I, I'm so done today. I'm so done with these kids. <laughs> That's fabulous. And they're all going, mom, 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 mom. <laughs> oh, love it. Just a reminder to go to blazingcariboustudios.com for links to our audio and our show notes for today's episode. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at at varmintspodcast, all one word, and at varmintspodcast at gmail.com for questions, comments, stories, and suggestions. We also have a Pinterest board, which is connected to each animal, and the link to that is at the bottom of the show notes on each episode. So with that... If you like the show, why not tell a friend about us and introduce them to the podcast? We are everywhere that podcasts are found, and word of mouth is the very best way to help us grow. So do it. Do it. And I've seen some Varminions doing exactly that thing. And thank you, Clay Groves, Chief yeah. Executive Fish Nerd, for, really do appreciate it. for sharing our show with all of your buddies. We really appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, so shout out to Chief Executive Fish Nerd, Clay. Thanks, Clay. Yeah. Now let's learn about monkeys, tiny ones. The kingdom of animals is fascinating. Now I'm going to tell you about their behavior and living pattern. So come on. What in God's holy name are you blathering about? We are blathering about four monkeys today, tiny monkeys. So there are about 260 known living species of monkey on the planet today. Many monkey species are arboreal, meaning that they live in trees, although there, there are some ground-dwelling species like baboons. Monkeys are primates like apes. So the biggest difference between a monkey and an ape, do you know what it is? I do. It is what monkeys is? have tails. Yes, and apes do not. Yes. There are two major types of monkeys. There are old world monkeys, which are native to Africa and Asia. They emerged about 60 million years ago. And then there are New World monkeys, which are native to South and Central America, and they came on the scene about 25 million years ago. So today we'll be talking about three Old World monkeys, which are tamarins, capuchins, and macaques, and one New World monkey, the pygmy marmoset. Now there are some characteristics that all monkeys share. I think we all know what a monkey looks like. Old World monkeys have trichromatic color vision like humans, but New World monkeys have dichromatic or even monochromatic vision. Old World and New World monkeys both have thumbs, but Old World monkey thumbs are opposable like humans. New World monkey thumbs, not so much. So it sounds like the New World monkeys kind of got the short end of the stick, but they didn't, because New World monkeys have prehensile tails, while Old World monkeys' tails are not prehensile. And although the faces of Old World and New World monkeys look very, very different, they all have forward-facing vision, very much like humans, and very high intelligence. According to the online etymology dictionary, the word monkey may originate in a German version of the Reynard the Fox fable, which was in 1580. That's when it was published. And in this version of the fable, a character named Monarchy is the son of Martin the Ape. So nobody really knows exactly where the word monkey came from. That is just their best guess. From I wonder if etymologists have a file somewhere of toddler-originated words. 
<laughs> I don't know. This maybe monkey is just a toddler trying to say the word for monkey in some language, you know. <laughs> and the parents were like, monkey, yes, honey, they're a monkey. That's yep. right. <laughs> and that is what it shall be forever. <laughs> awesome. And a group of monkeys is called a tribe or a troop. Yes. You are technically correct. The best kind of correct. So I'm going to talk about tamarins for a little bit. Do you know what tamarins are? Those little tiny monkey guys. They're black yeah. and they have the sort of uh, British India colonel mustache <laughs> <laughs> hanging off of their faces. Like that huge, I say, it's sort of. I say, uh, when I served my time in India. It's, is it time for Tiffin? That sort of mush mustache. <laughs> and they're very cute. So tamarins are squirrel-sized New World monkeys. And they are from the family Calitricidae and the genus Saguinus. And they are the first offshoot in the Calitricidae tree. And they are a sister group to the clade formed with lion tamarins, goldie monkeys, and marmosets. So they're... Distantly related, but still related. Different tamarind species vary a lot, ranging from nearly all black through mixtures of black, brown, and white. They have mustache-like facial hairs we just talked about, and that's typical for most of them. They have body sizes that range from 13 to 30 centimeters. That's 5.1 to 11.1 or 11.8 inches. Really little. <laughs> mm -hmm. Plus a 25 to 44 centimeter long tail. That's 9.8 to 7.3 inches of a tail. So they have really long tails. And they weigh from 220 to 900 grams. That's 7.8 7 to 31.7 ounces. So they are teeny weeny. Teeny and, tiny, yeah. Yeah. So tamarins differ from marmosets primarily because they have lower canine teeth that are clearly longer than the incisors, and in captivity they can live up to 18 years. So yeah, they have those lower canine teeth, and you can see when they open their mouths to yell at each other at the zoo, then you can kind of take a good look at that next time you're at the zoo and you see the tamarins. Try to try to look at their little teeth. They are really tiny, and and it's kind of hard to see them if they're really far away. But it's it is pretty distinctive. So, tamarins range from southern Central America through Central South America, and they are found in northwestern Colombia, the Amazon basin, and the Guyanas. I hope I pronounced that last thing correctly. They are inhabitants of tropical rainforests and open forest areas. They're diurnal, which means that they are daytime animals, and arboreal, which means they live in trees. And they run and jump through the trees. They live together in groups of up to 40, consisting of one or more families. Can you imagine 40 little tamarind mustachy monkeys running around? Oh, wow. That is the <laughs> cutest troop ever. Holy moly. Mostly they're about in groups of three to nine, though. So tamarins are omnivores. They eat fruits and they eat other plant parts, but they also eat spiders and insects and small vertebrates and bird eggs. So they usually have twins when they have babies, and it takes 140 days for the babies to gestate. And the adult males, subadults, and juveniles in the group assist with caring for the young, and they bring them to their mom to nurse. <laughs> they, they like babysit and then they they take the baby over to the mommy to nurse. Yep. yep. It, She's hungry. Here you go. 
Take care yes. of it. <laughs> I actually watched a group. This applies to marmosets too. So when we get there, just remember this seems to be something that tiny monkeys just do. I watched a documentary that I'll put a link to in the show notes. And there was a family of golden marmosets that they had brand new babies in the little troop. And it was so funny because I was totally relating to one of the aunties because she had the baby. She was taking care of her baby nephew or niece, whatever it was. And they were trying to nurse on her. <laughs> and she's like, no, stop. Don't do that. Stop. There's nothing there for you, kid. Quit that. And so the guy goes, cries of distress, bring the mother running. And the mother runs over and she shoves the baby at her. She's like, take that thing away. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, it's the anti-blues. I've got that. I've had that before. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody find this child a bottle or its mother, whatever. <laughs> uh, was I was completely relating to the little monkey. So <laughs> that's awesome. So tamarins spend most of their day foraging for food, and they have to be on high alert for aerial and terrestrial predators. So they're pretty little. So they're a pretty good target for predatory birds and stuff. So yeah, right. Go to your zoo and see the little tamarins. Yeah. They're adorable and they're very fun to watch. Yep. And go look at the capuchins too because they're really cool as well. Yeah. So capuchins are new world monkeys. They live across Central and South America. There are nine species of capuchins that primatologists all seem to agree on, but the taxonomy for capuchins is constantly changing and they're, and they're finding new ones and they're arguing about which one is which. The word capuchin derives from a group of friars in Italy named the Order of Friars Minor Capuchin, who wear brown robes with large hoods. So when the explorers reached the Americas in the 15th century, they found these small little monkeys whose coloring resembled these friars, especially when the friars had their robes with their hoods down, and they named them capuchins. <laughs> so capuchins are black, brown, buffer, whitish, but their exact color and pattern depends on the species involved. They reach a length of 30 to 56 centimeters, which is 12 to 22 inches, with tails that are just as long as their bodies, so they're tiny too. Yes. Capuchins are considered to be the most intelligent of the New World monkeys, and scientists have observed long-term tool use among them. And even during mosquito season, they've been observed crushing up millipedes and wiping the goo on each other's backs to act as mosquito repellent. Ooh, smart little guys. They are. In 2005, they conducted experiments on capuchin monkeys on the ability of the capuchins to understand uh, currency and understand fairness, like that, those concepts. There's a TED Talk with a little video that is so fun to watch, and we'll include it in the show notes. So after several months of this training, the monkeys began exhibiting behaviors that considered to reflect the understanding of a concept of a medium of exchange that was previously believed to be restricted to humans. Yes. Really, really cool. Yes, and since that study, it's been repeated in several other animals, too. Other animals have a sense of fairness. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and if they, don't, if they feel like they're not being treated fairly, they get irritated in very, very funny ways. Yes. Because of their intelligence, they are used as service animals in other parts of the world that are not the United States, because as of 2010, non-human primates are no longer recognized as service animals under the Americans with Disabilities Act. 
The American Veterinary Medical Association does not support the use of non-human primates as assistance animals because of animal welfare concerns, the potential for serious injury to people, and risks that primates may transfer dangerous diseases to humans. Yes, and let's not forget that humans can transfer dangerous diseases to them. Yes. So. You want to see tiny monkeys? Go to a zoo. Yes, exactly. Well, for... People that have disabilities and need service animals, there are dogs that can do everything. They can yes. do, do your shopping, they can do your laundry, they can do your windows, they can call your broker. There are lots of... <laughs> <laughs> There's lots of dogs available, is my point. <laughs> Spot, call my broker. Sail, sail. Uh... Ah, yeah, so the point is that there's plenty. There's plenty of dogs available, and dogs like living with us. And monkeys don't. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, let's talk about marmosets. Let's do that. Marmosets are my favorite of the tiny monkeys. And in fact, I think they're my favorite of all the monkeys. And uh, I love them so much. I spend a lot of time watching the marmosets at my zoo. We have common marmosets, which are the guys with the white tufts, little tiny guys with the white, white crazy tufts of hair out of their ears. Mm-hmm. And then we also have the pygmy ones, which are the smallest of the tiny monkeys. And they are, like, super small. They're teeny, teeny, tiny, tiny, tiny. Like, if you, you could hold a full-grown adult in your hand. With, without difficulty. <laughs> wow. Yeah, they are. They are squee tiny. They are teeny So marmosets are also known as zaris. They are, there's 22 New World monkey species in that genera. And it is also a term used in reference to Goldie's marmoset, which is closely related. So most marmosets are about 20 centimeters or 8 inches long. The pygmies are littler. Relative to other monkeys, they show some apparently primitive features. They have claws rather than nails, and they have tactile hairs on their wrists. They lack wisdom teeth, and their brain layout seems to be relatively like, wow, primitive, way in the past. Some of the, some of the oldest body plans for monkeys out there. Their body temperature is usually is unusually variable, changing by up to 4 degrees Celsius or 7 degrees Fahrenheit in a day, which is crazy. Wow. <laughs> They're native to South America, and they can be found in Bolivia, Brazil, Colombia, Ecuador, Paraguay, and Peru. They've also been spotted in Central America and Mexico. I was wondering about that, and I was talking with Curtis about it, the boyfriend, and he goes, well, you know... Whenever you got jungle, you get monkeys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, it sounds like you're saying that they have a disease or something. Like, well, I'm sorry, Mr. Peterson, you have monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> but they're not a disease. They're part of the forest. They're awesome. So according to recent research, marmosets exhibit germline chimerism which is not known to occur in nature in any primates other than calyctrids. What in the world is that? So chimerism, genetic chimerism, is a single organism composed of cells with distinct genotypes. In animals, this means an individual derived from different zygotes, which can include 
possessing both female and male sex organs, blood cells of two blood types, or subtle variations in form. So there are instances of chimerism where somebody will, for instance, have no genes in common with their mother, right? It's because in that case, the mother's DNA was all that of her fraternal twin. She didn't retain any of her own DNA, or it's not active, but she passed on her own DNA to her sons. So she has no com- she has no active DNA in common with her children. <laughs> oh my, what? Wow. But only the DNA of the fraternal twin that was absorbed into her body in the, in the womb. That's, so that's nuts. So chimerism is stuff that's funky that goes on with DNA. In the <laughs> funky DNA. Yeah, and it's something that happens a lot in marmosets. Neat. Yes. So, in their behavior, they're super active. They live again in trees, like all the other guys, and they have long lower incisors, which allow them to chew holes in tree trunks and to harvest the gum that's inside. Some of them are specialized feeders that that like the gum more than anything else, and we'll talk about that later. They live in family groups of up to 15, consisting of one to two breeding females, an unrelated male, their kids, and then also extended family members and unrelated individuals. Their mating systems are really variable. They can be monogamous, they can be polygynous, they can be polyandrous. (laughs) It just kind (laughs) of seems to be whatever works for that species in that area. And in most species... Fraternal twins are usually born, and but they don't they they have seen triplets as well. So wow, yeah. So they Very have a cool. high degree of cooperative care in their young, which we were just talking about, and they actually do food sharing, which is sort of unusual, and they tolerate theft. So wow. everybody participates in taking care of the babies. And the marmoset that I this marmosets I saw in the documentary were actually arguing over who gets to take care of the baby. They were like, give me the baby. No, I want him. Give him to me. I want him. It's my turn. He's the one. I don't want you me. And they were fighting over the little one. <laughs> I'm like, that looks like my family when a new baby comes home. <laughs> Everybody's arguing about who gets to hold the baby next. <laughs> we have That's more great. in common with our relations, our distant relations than we like to think sometimes, but that that was pretty funny. That <laughs> made me laugh. <laughs> Look at him fighting over that baby. Oh my gosh, we do that. <laughs> so what about what's next? Macaques? Macaques. Macaques, oh, yes. Tell me about macaques because I didn't I purposely didn't read anything about them. Okay, well, uh, marmosets are small and very cooperative and macaques are rather larger and very uncooperative. <laughs> So, macaques are old-world monkeys. There are 23 known species of them. Aside from humans, they are the most widespread primate on the planet. And they range from Japan to the Indian subcontinent, North Africa, Southern Europe. When you see documentaries about, like, India, Bangladesh, Pakistan, or any part of the world where there's just monkeys running around everywhere... Yeah. Those are macaques. And they're not... They're, like, cat-sized, right? Yeah, they're a little bit bigger. They're between one and two feet tall, and they can get up to about 25 pounds. So not the tiniest monkey, but there's a lot of them, and they're pretty interesting. Those snow monkeys in Japan, are they macaques? They are. Oh. They're absolutely macaques. They're so cool. They're amazing. I like those guys. They have a very, very intricate 
social structure and hierarchy. So they're not fighting each other to take care of the baby macaque or sharing food or any or tolerating theft or anything. In fact, yeah, they're like, you keep your baby over there, macaque. Yes. <laughs> the scientists were observing these macaques and they noticed that if a macaque of a lower level in the social chain has eaten berries, say, and there's no berries left for a higher level macaque, the higher level macaque can, within the social organization, approach that lower level macaque and remove the berries from his mouth while he's eating them. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> Talk about a tough boss. <laughs> All right, it's disclaimer time. The Varmints Podcast knows it's not fair to compare animal intelligence to human intelligence, but then we only really have the yardstick of ourselves to go by, so we're going to do it anyway. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. So genetically, these are our closest little relatives, so it stands to reason that they're going to be pretty smart. They are super smart. Very, very smart. Yeah. Yep, I'm going to have to put him up at 7 or 8, somewhere in there. I gave him an 8, too. I'm going to put a video in the show notes that you have to watch. It's actually from a lab of some sort or from some a zoo, somebody doing a study on these little marmosets. They have these common marmosets, and they showed them a video of a marmoset opening a box, like a puzzle box, that he knows how to open. <laughs> and the marmosets can learn to open the same little pu puzzle box just by watching the tutorial video. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and it's awesome, too, because they, you can see them doing it. They had the first phase where they get them used to having the video in there so that they're accustomed, you know, acclimated to it. Mm -hmm. And then they started running the video of the monkey opening the box, and then they put the little test box out there. And this little marmoset was just sitting there like, look at the video. Okay, move the thing, twiddle the other thing, move the thing, <laughs> look at the video, twiddle the thing, move the thing. He looked like any human trying to figure out a YouTube tutorial for like an origami <laughs> crane or something, you know? Like <laughs> That is fantastic. What kind of monkey was it? Common marmoset. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. That is terrific. <laughs> They're smart little things. <laughs> Just really quickly. Yes. Because it relates to how smart they are. This is a reason that monkey's smartness is one of the reasons, one of the many reasons, that you should not have them as pets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You said earlier in the week, anything with thumbs do not keep as a pet. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> these little tiny guys don't have opposable thumbs, but they can still grab stuff. And they can get into stuff. And they can pop the locks on their cages. And they can... And watching the documentaries about them, the way that they scream to each other is ear piercing. You cannot oh believe how loud it is. <laughs> and even if it's just one of them, I encourage you to watch the documentaries I'm going to put on the show notes page so you can hear how noisy they are. But aside from that, and here's a little clip from a lady in Britain who bought a marmoset and now her deeply regrets it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> about what that's like and it's about a minute long so we'll be right back although it is incredibly easy to get a monkey looking after one can be far from fun and games this is his bedroom is it this is his bedroom yeah well, jackie's son bought sid a marmoset back in february and now she's lumbered with him it's worse than having a baby to be truthful full-time commitment he scents everywhere he wheezes and poos you know, you can't open your windows because they get out. 
they're expensive because you've got to get all the cage, the bedding, and then obviously the specialist diet, the fruit, the veg. I get upset for him when he does these calls, high-pitched calls. He's obviously calling for other primates. It's cruel. He should be with others. He shouldn't be shown a cage all day. What are you going to do with Sid? Hopefully he can go to Monkey World because I'm not selling them on to anybody else. For people out there that are interested in one of these lovely little cute marmoset monkeys, what would you say to them? No, don't get them. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Her son, you got that? Did you hear that? Jackie's son got him and now she's lumbered with him. <laughs> like, yep. Oh, kids. <laughs> Daft kids. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're really hard. She said he scents everywhere. In the documentaries I was watching, I was watching these golden marmosets dragging their bodies along tree branches to spread wee and scent all over oh, these tree branches no. to to mark their territories. Oh, no. Which is perfectly fine in the jungle. But yeah, I that's don't fine. think you want that on your sofa. No. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I just made the germ phobe in Paul freak out and oh. grab for, for a wet wipe. Help! Help! <laughs> <laughs> do you want to wash your hands, like, right now? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to, while, while we're taking a break, I'm going to look on Amazon for a human-sized autoclave. I'm going to see if one of those exists. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We are going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about monkeys and pop culture and a couple other things. We're going to do that right after this. Have you ever been reading through a stack of comics and thought, hey, maybe I should see what the Sarkham Asylum game is all about? Or been playing Marvel vs. Capcom and felt like you were at a real disadvantage because you didn't know who half the characters were? Well, Play Comics is the show for you. I'm Chris, and each episode, I take a look at video games based on comic book properties and how well they stick to that source material. So, whether you know the comics and want to actually learn how these games work, or know the games and want to know what the hell is going on, go check out Play Comics at playcomics.com, the Brain Trust Bros Network, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And now for something completely different. Hey, you know, Donna and I, we're just a couple of nerds like you, and we don't see animals up close and in person very often. So let's talk a little bit about where we see them most of the time, on movies, TV, video games, and board games or tabletop games. Nothing's more fun than a barrel of monkeys, you've heard people say. You can own the barrel of monkeys, the lakeside game so easy to play. Empty the barrel, pick up a monkey, hook them together one by one. The trick is to make a chain of twelve. Well, steady now, you've just begun. The lakeside barrel of monkeys is a barrel of fun. Lift up twelve monkeys in a chain, and you're the champ. Nothing's more fun than a barrel of monkeys. So that was the original commercial for Barrel of Monkeys, which was a toy game released by Lakeside Toys in 1965. It was released in 1965, and you can still buy it today. It is produced by the Milton Bradley Company within the Hasbro Corporation. Milton Bradley's editions consist of a toy barrel in either blue, yellow, red, purple, orange, gray, or green. The barrel contains 12 monkeys, but can hold up to 24, and their color usually corresponds to whatever the barrel's color is. The instructions are very simple. You dump the monkeys onto the table. You pick one monkey up by an arm. You hook the other arm through a second monkey's arm. You continue making a chain. 
and your turn is over when a monkey is dropped. Yep. The story behind this game is really, really cool. So, in 1961, there was a greeting card salesman named Leonard Marks, and he was in a little mom-and-pop shop to sell his greeting cards, and while he waited for the shop owner to come back, he found a box of S-shaped snow tire replacement chain links, and he started playing with them. Yeah, I know what those are. Yeah. I, it just popped into my head. Huh. What happened is he got so involved with playing with these little links that he didn't realize that so much time has, had passed, and then the shop owner returned, and he told the shop owner that he thought that these links would make a great toy for children. The shop owner referred him to a, a local toy inventor who had been very, very successful named Milton Dinhofer. And he turned out he knew Dinhofer from high school, which was really good. So Dinhofer and Marx got together. They got some of these hooks and they had a little meeting. And they immediately formed a partnership because they both realized that this would make a great toy. So Dinhofer was going to design the toy and then Marx would sell the toy. Right. When Dinhofer saw these hooks, he immediately imagined monkeys and monkey arms. So that's what he went with. The original name of the game was Chimp to Chimp. And it came on a big flat piece of cardboard with molded plastic. And it was really expensive to market it that way. So they didn't really have a lot of money left over for advertising. And it seemed like the game would never get off the ground and go to market. Until a man named Herman Kessler found the toy. He joined their partnership and he pitched the toy to Lakeside Toys where he had connections. And so they met with the president and the vice president of Lakeside Toys for their sales pitch, which was basically just dumping these plastic monkeys out onto the table and playing with them. The vice president of Lakeside Toys said that the game was more fun than a barrel of monkeys. Bah. And they immediately approved the toy, they changed the name, they changed the packaging, and the three men that invented the game to this day receive royalties for their idea. Good. That yeah. so rarely happens. I know. That's why I wanted to include it. It's a nice ending to the story. Usually somebody makes something really cool and they just never see a dime from it, but not with Barrel of Monkeys. And it is fun. It is a fun little game. We had... Now, I'm interested to hear that they came with 12 monkeys in the original package because our barrel was red and our monkeys were yellow and there was a whole bunch of them. So I bet that there was a yellow barrel at some point that got combined or something. I wonder how we got... I wonder how that happened. So... Because <laughs> we had... Our barrel was was packed. Like, what'd you say? It can hold 24? We had a full barrel of monkeys. Yeah. And I used to like to play that game, except my sister's idea of playing that game was to cackle madly and sweep the whole table of the entire pile of monkeys just to... <laughs> Oh be, no! Just to be a pain in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, <laughs> do you know how they came up with twelve monkeys? No. They tested the toy on kids, and they found out that like a little three-year-old could hold up a string of twelve monkeys without it hitting the ground. Oh, huh. We always yep. played at the table. So, how would? How did you play at the table? I don't know. We were standing on the chairs, I think, or up That's on That's what they knees. were trying to avoid. They didn't yeah. want kids standing on things to make a big string of monkeys. Yeah, I, <laughs> don't ask me. I don't remember. but uh, <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I remember playing it for sure. That was a fun little game. Yeah, it is a fun game. Yeah. The way I played it was when I would get bored of playing it the traditional way, I would put the barrel 
about three or four feet away, and I would try to throw the monkeys into the barrel. And ideally, oh. I would try to get the monkeys to hang off the side of the barrel. Like, oh, that was... yeah. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Fun game. Me. That is good. Okay, I'm going to talk about a character. We have to go back to the movie Rio, which we just went to recently for the, our episode about parrots. But yes. Let's go back there because they have a little guy called Mauro. He is a common marmoset, and he is the leader of a group of mischievous other common marmosets who steal from the tourists of Rio de Janeiro, and they're all experts in capoeira. <laughs> <laughs> so in the movie, he and his minions are forced to work for Nigel, the bad guy. Uh, what is he, a cockatoo or something? Yeah, he looks like a big white cockatoo. Yeah, and so they have to obey all his orders because he threatens them. Mauro is voiced by Francisco Ramos, and he is available in, I think, all the video games that are based around the movie, so he's fun to watch. So, yeah, let's go ahead and listen to the clip. He's very cute. And in this clip, he is wearing a watch that he stole from somebody around his waist. <laughs> yes. Previous to this clip, there's a big montage of them just going around drinking other people's drinks and stealing stuff out of purses, and it's amazing. Yeah, and they're all doing a little dance and doing the capoeira. <laughs> yep. Hello, boys. Seems like you've had a busy day. <laughs> what, this? <laughs> this is just some stuff we found. There are two blue macaws out there, <laughs> and I need your multitude of eyes to help me find them. Oh, yeah? <laughs> What's in it for us? <laughs> well, that's a fair question. <laughs> Let's discuss it. <laughs> I certainly see your point, but what could I possibly do for you in return? <laughs> Save me! Save me! Oh, well, that's a thought, yeah. But is it enough? I don't want to feel like I'm cheating you. We'll do it! We'll do it! Save me, please! <laughs> Save me! All right, you've twisted my wing. Deal. <laughs> All right, you twisted my wing. So what he did in that scene was he took the tiny monkey and flew him all the way high into the sky, and then he let him go. So yes. the whole time they're talking, he's sort of <laughs> pretending to lay down with his chin on his hand, you know, listening to him worrying about falling to his death. <laughs> hmm, I could do that. Hmm. Yeah, so... But, uh, so Nigel... Nigel's the bad guy in this scenario, but Mauro does get his revenge on this evil buddy. So you should watch the movie to find out what happens. Yep, absolutely. Good movie. Mm -hmm. All right, it's time for this. Here's some jokey food and drink items which I've acquired recently. Each of them, I suppose, would go on a table or in the kitchen. Monkeys in the food box? No. No. I mm -hmm. No. I can't imagine any reason to eat a monkey. Nope. I guess some people do around I'm the sure. world, but I, I'm not one of them. These guys are, there's so many of them. I mean, they're not endangered or anything. I suppose if you could catch one, you you could probably eat it, but. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't think I would anyway because yeah. of what I'm going to talk about in our next portion here. Donna, is your brain a repository of useless information like mine is? Yes. 
well, let's help everybody win that next trivia night or just sound smarter than the rest of the room with the animal fact of the week. Is this your homework, Larry? Look, man. please. (laughs) So here in Florida, where I live, we actually do have some monkeys. Yes. In 1938, there was a tour boat operator called Colonel Tui, and he was up around the Silver Springs area of Florida. And he ran a little business where he gave a jungle cruise ride. And he thought to make the Jungle Cruise ride more interesting that he would release a breeding colony of rhesus macaques onto a couple of the islands. Wow, what a good idea. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So he released these monkeys for his Jungle Cruise ride. The story that kind of goes around in Florida was that the monkeys were released for scenery enhancement for some of the Tarzan movies that were filmed at that location. There was only one Tarzan movie that was ever filmed there. Tarzan finds a son, and you won't see any rhesus macaques in that movie, mostly because the species has a very bad temperament, and they don't like people very much. Yeah, I don't either, so... (laughs) (laughs) Unless they're Varminians, then I like them fine. (laughs) So here we are, 80 years later... And the monkeys continue to thrive and populate along the Silver River. Interesting. Yeah. Hurricane Andrew in 1992, that destroyed a few zoo and wildlife park facilities on the east coast of Florida. And so we have a few little pockets of breeding populations of squirrel monkeys and vervet monkeys that were able to escape those zoos. But they're not as much of a problem as the rhesus macaques. The mystery monkey of Tampa Bay was a thing for a while. It was actually a thing for four years. It was a rhesus macaque that evaded capture for four years. The best guess is that he was an outcast from this troop of monkeys that were in Silver Springs. But he also may have been a pet that was abandoned. Nobody really knows for sure where this guy came from. But for four years, they tried to catch this monkey, and they couldn't. It wound up with a Facebook page, national attention, uh, a mention on the Colbert Report, a lot of fans, people who saw the mystery monkey reported that he was very shy, but very, very clever and smart. He would do things like look both ways before he crossed the road. So he was able to survive quite a long time. Eventually, they found him in a tree in somebody's backyard. He had been hanging around a home. He was taking treats. The people were feeding him. He was playing with the family dog. So they were finally able to tranquilize him and take him to a zoo nearby, where they renamed him Cornelius. And today he is alive and well at that zoo, and he's a dad now because they introduced a female macaque and they made little macaques. So he's doing pretty good. Hmm. I have never seen a monkey here in Florida, but if you do visit here and you see a monkey, do not feed it. Because as of January 2018, that is a misdemeanor and that will net you a $500 fine and jail time. Right. They don't want people encouraging these monkeys because they're very ill-tempered. They can be very aggressive to humans, and the majority of them carry herpes B. Yep. Which, if a human gets that, it can cause acute ascending encephalitis. And when that happens, your brain and your spinal cord are going to get inflamed. They're going to swell, and that can lead to brain damage and death, and that's really, really serious. So if you see one, take a picture from a safe distance. Do not mess with it. 
definitely take a picture because these monkeys are an invasive species and they're not even close to being endangered. So the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission is in the process of removing all the monkeys from Florida in a variety of ways. Do you remember I was talking about the pygmy marmosets and how they like to eat gum on the trees? They they will go to war to take a new tree (laughs) over. (laughs) Basically, they have these really sharp, tiny little teeth, and they gnaw into the tree bark, and they eat all the gum. They're like, nom, 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 yum, 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 yum. And then they go to another spot, and then another spot, and another spot, until the tree finally just can't produce anymore, and then they have to move their family to another tree. But the problem is that if there's another family of marmosets there, (laughs) then they have to go to battle. (laughs) <laughs> yes, and can I just add that teeny tiny sharp little teeth is yet another reason to not keep one as a pet. Yes, among the many <laughs> reasons, the fact that they have such, these guys can bite through bark easily, and that should tell you something, because, yeah, bark yeah. is heavy-duty stuff. So, um, I'm going to put a video on the show notes of a pygmy marmoset turf war, so you can see how that is it's adorable deadliness <laughs> but that i thought that was a pretty interesting thing to know cool yeah awesome yeah well thanks everybody for listening to the varmints podcast we have been brought to you as always with technical support by matthew chomo music by kevin mcleod thanks guys and by you the patreon supporter thank you so much for kicking in a dollar or two every month to blazing caribou studios We really do appreciate it. Special thanks this week goes out to Jonathan Colton for allowing us to use a portion of his song Code Monkey to open the show with this week. If you like that little song, go to jonathancolton.com to find out where to see him live or to buy one of his albums. And we will put a link to his website in the show notes. The show notes are going to be terrific this week. So if you have never seen our show notes before, please go to blazingcariboustudios.com and check those out. They're going to be awesome. All right, it's time for the Rugrat Corner. If you have a Rugrat eight years of age or younger that wants to be on our podcast, send us a message on Facebook or email us at varmintspodcast at gmail.com for details. We make it super easy for you and your Rugrat to hear their voice on the podcast. Yes, we do. And this week we have Bug. Bug has something to say about little monkeys. Yay. So, Buggy, this week they're talking about tiny monkeys. What do you know about tiny monkeys? Yeah. I kind of very cute. And, uh, why And then um, some people keep monkeys like pets. Do you want to have a pet monkey? Yeah, a baby monkey. What would you do if we had a pet monkey? I would hug it. We need a lot of monkeys here. Like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 12, 14, 16, 18, 19. 19 monkeys. 19 monkeys? That's a lot of monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to say anything to Paul and Donna? Thank you for having me on Vitamins. Aw. Aw. You do not want 19 monkeys at your You don't house. want any monkeys, baby. You know? I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, he said something like, we need a lot of monkeys around here, man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, you got monkeys. It's not good. (laughs) (laughs) 
And thanks to Adam from Odd Dad Out for providing that audio. We really do appreciate it. It's a good podcast, too. Odd Dad Out. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, again for listening. And until next time... Be nice to animals. Especially tiny monkeys. And being nice to them means not having them as pets. (laughs) As they will be sad monkeys. You've been listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazingcariboustudios. Okay, this is Marmosets, and we're putting it at the end. You might want to turn your radio down if it's really <laughs> kind of because <laughs> it's like, they're like, it's like, oh my God. Yes. Okay, here it comes in three, two, one. <laughs> <laughs>